Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. All right, I gotta tell you, I mean, right, like some guys have all the luck, and, and there's certain things, and the universe just aligns against you. Mine has to do with technology. So, I'm in Hawaii, it's beautiful, but I wanna show that off to you guys. I think there's things that you would think is interesting. I think where the ocean is and where you can see whales, I think the pool in the backyard. Got some cool bikes that, that operate on a battery and things like this, but I've never seen those things before. We got golf carts out here. It's beautiful. It's this really beautiful special air, and I wanted to show you. So I got this handheld camera, everything's going my way. I was actually outside in an outdoor shower. I was, I was bathing and washing myself while making a video, right? Like, that's clever. I'm not saying I'm setting the world on fire, but within the Google algorithm, a dude in a shower that pops up outdoor in Hawaii, it's gonna, it's gonna do okay. So of course, what happens with my fancy handheld camera? What happens? The battery goes dead. And I don't mean the battery's dead like you gotta charge it. I mean, all of a sudden, the internal battery no longer works. So it must be plugged into a wall to operate. And I got a cord here that's about five feet, which means all the cool things I want to show you, unless they're within five feet of me, simply isn't gonna happen. now. I made a video and I'm never gonna have you the I'm never gonna hand you the answers. But I want you to know where to look. I do. So I told you if you want to understand this business, there are certain things you have to do. If you understand a few certain things, it will change it will the dots that will be connected and your understanding of what we're doing here and why will change drastically. Now I wouldn't expect you as the fan to want to know that. I don't think that's fascinating or interesting. I really don't. I love to watch the sport of gymnastics. I remember when Dominic Mociano and the girls were winning all the medals. It was so fun. I don't understand the economics of gymnastics, nor am I interested. I mean, I just offer you that from a standpoint that I wouldn't blame you for not caring. But there is no athlete in sport today who is listened to by fellow athletes more than me. More than me. Every single athlete under contract comes to this channel to see what they can learn. And it's wildly relevant if you don't understand what we're doing and why. You can't begin to manipulate it. You're talking about promotion, you're talking about politics, you're talking about navigating, you're talking about hustling, manipulating, any, any word that you want to use, right? Like manipulate seems to be a, a bad one, but I use it just to grab your attention. It's accurate. You have to know the system. You must first know the system. And I made a video. I gave you guys a few instances, okay? You gotta find out the question that Stephen Morocco asked me. I made this public. I told you guys this a hundred times. It's on video. You gotta find out that question. And then you gotta tie that question from 2012. You've gotta tie it to slap, okay? Big clue. 
That'd be one thing. That'd be one thing that if you could connect those dots, you would begin to understand. Next one would be the ceremonial weigh-in. Why do we do a ceremonial weigh-in? And I will leave it at that. But you will start to you will understand things differently. You turn your head and go, oh, I made a video on this. I was telling you this. But ultimately, I then had a challenge, which had to do with my favorite announcement in a meaningful period of time, which is that we're resurrecting the BMF belt. Oh, and by the way, we found the right two guys. So ultimately, the question would be, why? Why are we resurrecting it? And when I tell you how important it is that you understand the answer to that, if you are Gaethje or Poirier, once you have the answer, you're gonna have very clear marching orders of what to do with that. George Masvidal did it. George Masvidal to this day, I don't think, I don't think he knows why he never defended that belt. I don't think he knows why it was a one and done. I don't think he knows why it was never discussed again until he left. I don't think that he knows because he's a smart guy. George is a very smart guy. But even smart guys, they miss him sometimes, right? And it's important that Chandler, or I apologize, Gaethje and Poirier figure it out now. Made a video on this. Had a buddy reach out to me. Said, Chill, I want to take the challenge. I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why the BMF is getting resurrected. He said, these guys are two BMFs. These guys are two main eventers. These guys are rematched, but they can't rematch for a number one contendership, but that's a number one contender style fight. So instead of doing that and affecting the rankings, you bring in these old dogs, you, you show these veterans the respect, you put up the BMF belt. Okay, great. I mean, that's market. I didn't ask you how we we're going to market the match, though everything you just said there is, is, is 101, and I appreciate it. You know what? I really don't have time for this. I, tru I truly don't. I truly don't. I love that somebody at least took a guess, and the only reason that it does matter, okay, Poirier and Gaethje, one of them's going to win. You don't want to do what Masvidal did, which is to not understand what you've got. Masvidal's a smart guy, and he's a friend of mine. But I made videos like this. I hinted repeatedly. All he had to do was call me. He knows how to get a All he had to do was call me. Say, Chael, what do you know about this belt that I don't? Now, let me tell you this. There was a guy named Einstein, okay? And Einstein is somebody like that I could look to as an intellectual. I am who you guys look to as a mentor, right? I'm the one you, you go and tell, I know this really smart guy, his name is Chiel, right? And I, I appreciate that. But I'll tell you something Einstein did. Einstein became a professor. Did you guys know that about him? Yeah, and Einstein, every class, every test, every year, asked the same question. Do you guys know that? There wasn't one question. This wasn't one of those trick moments. He, he had a test. He had a paper. He had a form. 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, 50. I don't know how many questions there were. It was a normal test. There was no tricks to this. But every year it was the same test. And he'd have the kids and he would test them twice a year. So every class he would do a test. Right around, right around the first of the year. Around that Christmas time. And then towards the end of the year, which just like it is now, was June, early June. He would test them again. So they have two tests a year. It was the same test. Do you guys know this? 
So over time, the kids started to catch on. They started to realize, you know, you had a sister that was in the class. She's two years older than you. Now you're coming through. Sister's passing a little something down. That same situation's happening now. You got a brother whose little brother's about to come through. All of a sudden, they start talking. They start to realize the questions that are going to be on the test. So another professor, in fact, the dean, pulled Einstein and said, he said, this is what you got to do. You got to change it. The kids are on to you. They know the questions are going to be, you have to start changing the questions. And Einstein said, oh, no, I'll, I'll never change. I'll never change the questions. And he said, well, why? Why would you not change the questions? And Einstein told them, because this is science. And the biggest fallacy in science is that it's an absolute. The biggest truth in science is the reason I keep asking the same question. Because over time, with knowledge, the answers change. So over time, I have learned, learned that the highest executives in some of our top organizations, the highest executives do not know what we are doing. They don't know what we're doing. I sat with, I'll, I'll keep all, all the details, but, but I sat in an executive meeting and the vice president of production, all production went through this person. And we're going through the card. We're going through, okay, we're going to go to the red corner, we go to the blue corner, we're going to do an establishing shot, we're going to feed it to the locker room, we're going to toss to an interview. We're going through the entire thing. And... I realized two fights. I'm scrambling through my paperwork because what they're saying I don't have. And I'm flipping, I'm looking around and other people are flipping through my paper. What is going on here? I don't have this. And a couple of fights in, I realized they're speaking about last month's card. They have the wrong card. They have the wrong run of show. They have the wrong layout. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm not an executive. In fact, I don't want to work for the company at all. I'm an independent contractor. I'm sitting there all on my own. And the head running this meeting is on last month's card. And the boss is one seat to the right, hasn't caught it yet. Now, I'm going to walk away from that story. That one gets a little bit... Little bit close to home. And I'll just I'll just share with you that it has never ceased to surprise me how few people know what it is we're doing here. And if the fighter figures out what we're doing here, running business and manipulating your career, it'd be well, Israel Adesanya would be a great example. That's the guy that has figured out he knows what's going on here. When his time ends, he could go right into a career on the business side of these things. I mean, I'll, I'll just share that with you. And I'm watching, and there, there's a few clues. But yeah, yeah you got to understand, right? And this is all just from an, an ego and arrogant standpoint. I like to be the smartest guy in the room, and I like to be noticed as the smartest guy in the room. One of the problems I have is it's a very closed-mouth business. If you're one of the extremely few people that know how this business works, right? I mean, there's no book you can go check out and read about it. There's no course. There's no professor at any college anywhere that you can go major in, right? It's, it's one of these really unique spots. Why would I want to come out? Even if it helped me to look smart and achieve what I wanted to do, why would I want to come out and smarten 
somebody else on a business that is so hard to learn about. Why would I want to do that? And then I still get tempted. I still get tempted because I feel as though when you've got those aces up your sleeve, you can't just say that you've got the aces up your sleeve. You have to show to some degree. You have to show that you have it. So, you guys know, I told you the Stephen Morocco story. Stephen's a very good friend of mine, by the way. Speak to him on a social level quite often. But I told you the Stephen Morocco story. This is a very meaningful guy in the space. He calls me up. He asks me a question. And I mean, that would have been so relevant. This is all these years ago, he asked me that question. And then you fast forward and here we are now in the slap era. All those years ago, if he would have found the answer and he, he would stand by, oh my God, his eyes would open, his jaw would drop, but he would see everything would be so clear. Can't give those answers, but I can, I still tell you the Stephen Broncos and these other guys in what direction to go. Find out and figure out why there's a ceremonial way in. Just figure that out. And they didn't even think to look into it. They just came and covered it. They didn't even think to look into why are we putting a guy on a scale twice. There's not very many sports where you weigh in a guy at all. But there's no sport where you weigh him in twice. Oh, and by the way, one doesn't actually count. Figure, figure out why that happens. And if you do, you can unveil that. Your understanding of everything around you will change drastically. Now, these are the lessons that I can offer you. And if you don't remember the question, because I've told you it many times, go back and do your homework of specifically what Morocco asked me and why 10 years later, I tied that in to the slap era. What's the connection Chiel's trying to tell us here? Why is there a ceremonial weigh-in? No other sport on God's earth does that, even the few combat sports that weigh a guy in. And now you've got a brand new one. I told you, one day, 24 hours, after we tore that cage down at Madison Square Garden, the Rock got on the plane, the President got on a plane, I told you then the BMF title would never be defended, didn't I? And the BFM champion fought. BMF champion fought again, and the BFM champ fought again, but he never defended the title, did he? And now he has vacated the title. And now that title is going to be fought for. Why? Did you guys ever do debate in high school? I, I never did it, but I, I knew what debate was and I respected it. And I respected it because you had to go on both sides of the issue, not just the one that you wanted or you believed in. You had to then argue the other side. So what a great, what a great skill. So how hard to do, right? How hard to do on something you're passionate about. Now, KSI. KSI knocked out Jay Brown over the weekend. It appeared to be an elbow and Jay Brown is officially appealing. How do you think that should go? I mean, you gotta hear me out on this, okay? Are we looking for a no contest? Cause it's very, it's very important that the prosecution charge you correctly. We've seen this. We've seen guilty people that walk because they were charged with the wrong thing. Right, a guy goes in and robs a bank. Simple examples. He goes in and robs a bank. They got him, they know it's him, they got his DNA, they got the fingerprints, they got a witness, but they charge him with murder. You look around and go, but nobody's dead. He robbed the bank. And they go to the trial and they take it through and the gavel comes down and he walks free and he's got all the money sitting in a duffel bag, laughing. 
ridiculous example, but one that you'll understand. One that will illustrate the point to you that it's very important that you're charged correctly. So what is he going for? Jay Brown has officially appealed the decision. And the decision was KO. Who made that decision? How did we come to that? Because there was other options in the moment. There was a no contest. There was stopping the fight. There was disqualification. There was other things that were possible. So did the referee not see the elbow? Is that what we believe? Is that what the referee, under sworn testimony, is going to state? Very, very important that I understand if I'm going to pass any judgment on this, what is it you're attempting to do? Appeal the decision. Now, no, no, no. What are you trying to do? If we're not going with that decision, we have to go with a different decision. So what are you trying to do? Are you trying to render this a no contest? If so, is that what the rules allow? Now, if it isn't blatant cheating, I mean, he doesn't take a foot and kick you in the nuts with it. If it's something that happens inadvertently and it's unintentional, is it allowed to be a knockout? Is a fight allowed to be stopped on that? We have to answer that because one of the other options when you're appealing a decision is to flip the decision. You win. And you can win if the other guy cheats. You can win by disqualification. Sure you can. Well, is that what we're going for? And you're in a really tough spot. Because I don't think any of you know what the rules are. I think some of you are going to watch the tape and go, that was an elbow. Therefore, the appeal should stand up. That's, that's not how it works. If you break the tape down and you see it's an elbow, you're going to have to go one step further to decide was it intentional or not. You then will have to take that answer and juxtapose, juxtapose it against a possible remedy. And a remedy means a rule that wasn't followed because you have in many sport a referee's discretion. If you are allowed to hit somebody with something that's not allowed unintentionally, just an unintentional something happens, and that's fight ending, I'm asking the question because I don't know the answer within that jurisdiction, but you guys don't know it either. So don't jump to it. Don't jump on my case. You don't know it either. If you know the rules of boxing in Oregon, they didn't fight in Oregon. You try to tell me the national boxing rules, they didn't fight in this country. I mean, you're gonna do a, a very small, but a level of research to try to figure out what happened there. What remedy are we looking for when Jay Brown appealed the decision? What is he trying to do? Does he want to win? It's very relevant. He's standing to make $300,000 on a win bonus. I don't know that. He's standing to make $300,000 on a win bonus. Does he want that check? If your opponent cheats in some jurisdictions, you get 10% of his purse. Think about missing weights. That's viewed as cheating. 10% of your purse. Certain regulations, it's 20%. So I'm just asking, what are we trying to do here? And moreover, are you saying, and I believe that you would have to, are you saying that the referee made an error, that there was a material rule that was violated and or not followed? You have to be saying that. It can't be the referee has seen it, it can't be the referee missed it. It doesn't work that way. This is not pro wrestling where the referee is distracted by Bobby Heenan while Tully Blanchard hits smash over the head with a steel folding chair and then it's all cool in the gang. It's not like that. So did the referee make a mistake? If he did, how? My guess would be he's gonna say, I didn't see the elbow. I see it now, but I was at a different angle. Now, once we get all of that out, right, we're just going in circles here. And this is where I wanna hear from Jesse. 
Because, Jesse, and everybody else, as much as you want to play with that and say that you saw the right angle and saw the guy go down and you heard KSI's statement that he didn't think it was right and you saw Jake Paul come out and say, if there's any such commission, they're going to overturn this. As much as you heard all of those things, you're then going to have to deal with the fact that the guy was faking. I mean, that seems to be the one thing in the room nobody wants to discuss. Now, we don't know. We haven't heard from the referee under sworn statement yet, but there's a very good chance that the referee says, yes, I saw that an elbow brushed him. But in this business, I have my eyes out at all times, and I never speak about it, and I wouldn't have done it now. I would have taken it to the grave like I have so many other times. But you compelled me by putting me under oath. So in this case, I'm going to have to tell you, he quit. He was pretending. He pretended to be down and out. That's what really happened. Now, the shot that made him pretend he was knocked out looked to be a forearm and or elbow that was unintentional, in my opinion. I really thought that it was. I think both of the athletes would know. Neither, neither athlete is claiming it was intentional or done egregiously that I'm aware of. So if you're on that commission and you're watching, the first thing you're going to have to do is to identify what are we trying to do here, a no contest or a disqualification? I don't know where you get no contest from, but there could be a bylaw I'm not aware of. Then we're gonna have to show that the referee didn't use discretion, that he had a malpractice towards the specific rules of that event. Then, once you get all of these things done, you're gonna to have to try to decide if it played a role in the fight. That's where you have a problem. If you got a big cut that's opened up, I mean, you have a little easier discussion. You have a guy who pretended he was out. So if he's pretending he's out, isn't the referee doing the right thing by stopping it? And what you don't know, but you just might if this guy gets put under oath, that's a very common thing. If he did 10 fights, 10 stoppages, he probably saw 10 guys flick it, but try to look like it was real. He for sure saw eight and a half. So what is he supposed to do? Yes, I saw the elbow come through. Yes, I saw that it grazed. It hit him above the teeth. If you told me that all of his teeth were broken and knocked out and his jaw needed surgery, I'd believe it. But he didn't pretend that. He pretended he fell asleep. So when I see that he wants out, regardless of means, I do my job and I get him out. And if he wants to play this game a little bit further and come and tell the world that he's gonna appeal it, right? He didn't want to appeal it in the moment. He waited to see how the acting performance went, if anybody was gonna call him on it, what the fans on social media would say, and then made his decision. Most of them do. But I will just share with you, it's pretty relevant how you felt in the moment. And it's gonna be very unfortunate when that referee gets sworn in, has to tell the world what I saw as an expert was a guy get hit with an elbow. But before I could call it illegal or even thought to, the guy pretended to be asleep, clearly wanting the fight over. So I have to, on a moral obligation, I have to figure, because you got rules that are written, but you have unwritten rules too. So the referee's gonna have to figure out the unwritten rule of he clearly wants out do I step in, give him a standing eight, possibly take a point? Do I do that over the elbow or do I give him what he wants?
which is completion to the match. Interesting spot for the referee. I don't think Jay Brown ever should have protested this unless he's got money on the line, unless he's got ego on the line. You accept the results at all times. At all times, because just like in football where they move the chains, it's not a perfect science, but boy, it's a perfect theory. If you do this sport, sport enough, it's gonna go both ways. They're gonna go against you, but they're gonna go for you. So unless there is something specific here where a win carries them to something, a loss allows them to get cut, something we don't know about, something financial, if there's not that, Jay Brown has put himself at tremendous risk. And if he's attempting to say it was wrong because of something egregious by the referee, when that referee gets sworn in, he's gonna tell the truth. And the truth is there was an elbow thrown that could have broken your jaw, but you pretended you were asleep. versus Jay Brown. I mean, this is taking some really interesting turns. Now, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. And I have seen the fights where somebody will slow it down and come from a different angle and you can see that punch missed. And then the guy went down. Bruce Selden versus Mike Tyson would be the most blatant example, at least in main event title fight history of my lifetime. But Mike wasn't part of it. Don King didn't rig that. Bruce Selden was scared to death. He pretended a punch landed that didn't, and he went down. That's just fear. That happens all the time. He might have been one of the worst performers. T Tito, I don't say this because of my grudge with Tito, but, but Tito's performance of pretending he was knocked out by the punch Anderson Silva threw was bad but it wasn't as bad as Bruce. Now, why would I go down that road? Why am I possibly telling you about that? Well, KSI is coming out and it's a little bit of a weird stance. He called his win tarnished. And I would wonder why. I really would. Maybe he's just such a sportsman. Maybe that KSI, despite all the marketing, is just a really good hearted fellow. That's possible. I'm dirty rotten. I would not be accused of those things. I will win at any cost, any. But if I'm gonna stand up fight and I win by standing up, now all I gotta do, I'm pretty limited, right? It's boxing, I'm pretty limited. I gotta throw a left hand and a right hand, nothing else. And if I'm standing up and I throw one of those hands and my ultimate goal is achieved, which is damage that stopped my opponent from continuing. You're gonna see me on Clayton Heyer's shoulders pumping both fists in the air, looking for whoever's next. Not talking about it was tarnished. If I'm on the other side of it, and you unintentionally threw something at me, and it landed, and it rendered me unconscious, you win. The rules might say something different, but you win. And every fighter will back up what I just said. Some go for you and some go against you. And it doesn't really matter if the guy bent the rules. If it landed, particularly early in the first round, I mean, that's really not relevant. The guys are at their absolute best. They're at their absolute freshest, right? If you can't get out of the way of it, you go down and you can't continue. The other guy wins. That's how you would feel. And you want to call it tarnish. Now, 
I got to look at that because it was very suspicious. And the only part about this that's suspicious, it's not an illegal shot landing. That happens in almost every fight that you see. A lot of times it's a headbutt from the clinch, but things are happening that aren't supposed to happen, that are against the rules. But if they're unintentional and inadvertent, you just keep going. It could happen 10, 15 times in a match and never even be called based on what would happen. See Mike Tyson versus Holyfield, part one. Holyfield hurt him with the hands, but he frustrated him by headbutting him constantly. Constantly Holyfield was headbutting him. It affected the fight. It closed or swelled up one of Tyson's eyes. I mean, this fight was a long time ago off the top of my head. I'm just sharing with you. It was never called for it. And even after the fact, nobody's ever said anything about it. You've probably never seen anybody meaningful speak about it until I did right now. It was just the way that it goes. Okay. The problem, and there's only one, there's only one problem, which is the guy fighting KSI pretended to be asleep. He pretended to be knocked out. A shot like that, the one that he landed, man, that could hurt. That could break teeth. It's one of the reasons it's illegal. It could break jaws. I mean, it's one of the reasons that they don't do it. They wrap your hands up instead be very dangerous but it is not designed and the place that it landed is not in line with a person that would be unconscious all right i mean we'll turn this over to dr abasi we'll see what he has to say about what i'm claiming in terms of that blow and where it landed but when dr abasi speaks and i'm happy to be i'll stand down to him i'll be wrong but i'm pretty confident he's going to say you know Shale, you make a fair point that part of the body is not in line historically with places guys have been hit and become unconscious. Now, because that part was fake, straight up, because that part was fake, and now KSI is coming out and defending it. Look, that's not, that's not proof by me. That is not proof. That's evidence and it's circumstantial. That, that's not going to hold up, but I'm going to run it past you anyway. Because that was funny, you think KSI would call him out on that. Hey, man, I threw that elbow, but it wasn't that bad. And we've had guys do that. Aljo couldn't get a good night's sleep. He becomes world champion because Yon got disqualified. Yon should have been disqualified. He cheated. And they would not let it go. They didn't care that he cheated. They didn't care that he violated the rules. It was, it was, it, it, he shouldn't have taken it that way. And KSI could have done that. Hey, man, you played this up. That's what Yon, that's what Aljo got accused of. You played this up. You were getting tired. That guy didn't want to be in there. He pretends that he's out. I mean, that's a very real thing because now when you have KSI defending him, not defending himself or the action of the referee, defending the guy, calling it tarnished. KSI now doing a little bit of pro wrestling. Came out and did WrestleMania with his partner. Quite frankly, they had an amazing spot. Such a good job. Such a good performer. Do you guys know how pro wrestling stopped being a competition and started being a cooperation. I don't call wrestling fake. You hear people say, no, it's not fake. You can call it scripted. That wouldn't be blasphemy, but I don't call it scripted. But it's a cooperation. It's a performance. You're helping not only yourself with the audience, you're helping your opponent with the audience. The same goal, which is to convince and entertain the audience. Okay. Do you know how they started doing that? Because it didn't used to be that way. It's not as though they always came out in the world of sports entertainment. 
Those guys, man, the great, my father's hero, Luthez, those guys were really going from town to town, trying to pin the other one or trying to make him tap out. That was real. But the circuit was small. You know, there's 10, 11, 12 guys in the whole organization. They're piling in two, three cars, following each other up and down the interstate. They're tired, hoping for gas, money. Nobody's watching television. wasn't a thing. I mean, it's a very different thing. And they're hurt. And they're sore. And I could relate to that. Because I used to go town to town, trying to put that other man down or make him tap out. And the next morning, I didn't feel like doing it again. Not right away. But these guys were performing 250 times a night. So one time, they jump in the car, and the guy just says to, Ray, you, you got a passenger, and tells the driver, hey, listen. What we did last night, right? He's like, he's bloody, he's friendly. They're not even mad at each other, but it's just what they do. It's just what they do. He says, how about we do that tonight? But instead of really hurting each other, why don't we just make it look like we're hurting each other? But you gotta understand this. Cause see, the whole locker room didn't do it. The day that this became a thing, the day that wrestling went from a competition to a cooperation, it was not the whole locker room. It was not the whole industry. It was not the whole card. It was much more in line with what Pride Fighting Championship did, which is you have a lot of them that are exactly what you think. You have one or two that are paid for in the back. So it's really hard to know what's the shoot, what's the work, or even when is the shooter work coming? And it's a relevant thing to know that eventually the two wrestlers that made this deal in the car, and they tell someone else and they tell someone else, and pretty soon, right? I mean, as soon as anybody hears the idea, they love it instantly. And go with it, I would just bring this to your attention. I don't know how much uh, you can put into the mannerisms of KSI and him coming out and tarnishing his own victory. I don't know about that. Maybe he's just a really sweet guy. Or maybe he's smart enough to know he's gonna get roasted for a couple of days on Twitter if he was to do that, and he's a sensitive guy. But you have a problem, which is the Jay Brown that ate the elbow pretended to be knocked out. What do you do with that? And if you're his opponent and you don't pull that out, you instead take the sweet and nice approach, it's going to appear, at least to some, that you were in on it. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you like and what you dislike. And thank you for the support. I can't say it enough. I'll be back in the near future, but until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.